Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Empowered Word of Faith podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Evangelist Alfreda Lockett Evans. I'm from Full Gospel Holy Temple Church in Dallas, Texas. Tonight, we're going to compare the virtues of heaven to the horrors of hell. But first, we're going to present a scriptural presentation of Jesus Christ, as well as a historical review of the creation story. Now, all of that's important so that each individual can make an informed decision about whether or not they will accept or reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It will also help individuals to make an informed choice between heaven and hell as their final destination. But as we begin, I've got great news for you. Jesus lives. Some of you know who Jesus is and have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. But not everybody knows him. Please allow me to introduce him based on the scriptures so that everyone will be on the same page. Jesus the Christ is the second member of the Godhead. He's the precious son of God. God himself testified that Jesus is indeed his son in Matthew 3 and 7. He said, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. According to Song of Solomon's 2 and 1, he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. He said, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Jesus calls himself the bright and morning star in Revelation 22 and 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Apostle John in John 1, 1 identifies him as the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In John 6 and 35, Jesus presents himself as the bread of life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He's also the way and the truth and the light. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is our only access to God and the means by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. And so now let's do a brief review of the creation story. We're going to look at the war in heaven, the expulsion of Satan, and the ultimate destination of him and his rebellious angels. In eternity past, Satan's job was to lead in the worship service of God. But he was fired from that job because sin was found in him. There was a war in heaven in which Satan and a third of heaven's angels attempted to overthrow the kingdom of God. 
Satan, himself a created being, attempted to exalt himself above God, but the result was that he was overcome and kicked out of heaven. Falling to earth, he became and even now is considered the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 validates that. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. But according to Revelation 20 and 10, he's destined for hell and the lake of fire because of his rebellion against God. That scripture reads, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Following the disturbance in heaven, God decided to reconstruct the heaven and earth. After that reconstruction, God Jesus and the Holy Spirit had a conversation and made the decision to make man. So now we're going to look at the creation of man. Genesis 1 and 26 says, And God says, Let us make man in our image, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Adam, God's man, was handmade and custom-built. God made him and breathed breath into him, and man became a living soul. And God placed him in a beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. A few major responsibilities were given to him, such as dressing the garden and naming the animals. But man's main responsibility was to obey God. To test man's obedience, a tree was placed in the garden called the tree of knowledge. Adam was given full access to every other tree in the garden for food except that one tree. And now we come to the fall of man. Adam was then given a helpmeet who was called woman, and her name was Eve. But unfortunately, Satan, in the form of a serpent, deceived Eve and convinced her to disobey God by eating of the forbidden tree. She then convinced Adam to do the same. Adam, Eve, and the serpent that convinced her were banished from the garden and given severe penalties for their sin. The worst part of all, Adam and Eve and all of their offspring, including you and I, were separated from the holiness of God and were on a downward spiral to hell. But God had a plan for man. In his infinite love, wisdom, and grace, he developed a plan so that they could be saved from destruction. That plan would appease the anger of God against sin, as well as appease his holiness and his justice. The only problem with the plan was that it would cost God heaven's best. When God looked around to see who could stand in for man and die in man's stead, the only person who was able to do it was Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. But in obedience to his Father... 
Jesus agreed to come to earth to be born of a virgin named Mary, to walk the earth as a man, and to personally prepare 12 men who would spearhead the spread of the message of salvation. But most of all, Jesus agreed to demonstrate holiness, then die at the hand of cruel men and women. He would go into the belly of hell and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave from Satan, thereby defeating that devil. Then he would be raised up by his father. He would ascend into heaven and show evidence through his own blood sacrifice that he had fully obeyed God. And thank God Jesus accomplished all that was given for him to do. In so doing, God awarded Jesus the soul of every man, woman, and child who would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So you see, Jesus bought us with his own blood. In order for us to be saved, all that we have to do is to accept Jesus as our sacrifice and our Savior. Jesus took every bit of the work out of salvation. All we have to do is to believe it, receive it, and salvation is ours. So now what do we get if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? First, we're removed from hell's hit list, and our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Brothers and sisters, no longer are you destined for hell. You are on your way to a glorious place called heaven when you die. So now let's look at some of the beauties and virtues of heaven. The main reward for those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior will be the privilege of entering and abiding in heaven than enjoying the gift of fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Bible lets us know that exceeding joy awaits those who attain heaven, as in Matthew 5 and 12. The scripture says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And now what we're going to do is to go to Revelation 21 and 1 through 27 to look at Apostle John's description of heaven. He had an experience while he was out on the Isle of Patmos when he was given a glimpse of heaven. And the following are some excerpts of what he saw. He said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. 
and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Friends, heaven will be so wonderful that it defies descriptions in terms that we're able to understand. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's going to be a beautiful place. We don't want to miss it. So now let's compare that beauty and that glory and that splendor with the horrors of hell for those who reject Jesus. These are several scriptures that describe hell and which help make us aware that this is a place to avoid. Thank God that he gave his son so that we could avoid it. I'm going to give you several scriptures which provide a graphic presentation of hell. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. That's from Revelation 14 and 11. From 2 Thessalonians 1 and 9, we hear, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? Isaiah 66, 24 says, And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, for they shall be abhorring unto all flesh. Mark 9 and 44, speaking of hell, says, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And in Matthew 22 and 13, we read these words, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And listen, as though hell is not bad enough, it is just a holding tank because hell and everything that winds up in that place will be thrown into the lake of fire following the great white throne judgment. Revelation twenty eleven through 15 describes the second death. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My, what a place to avoid. Have you thought about comparing heaven to hell? Do you realize that they're both eternal places? So we've looked at the virtues of heaven and compared those virtues to the horrors of hell. Hopefully you understand that we need a savior to take the dead weight of sin from us so that we can go to heaven. Preferably, you also understand that the only one who can deliver us from the horrible fate of hell is Jesus Christ. It all boils down to the simple fact that if you want to go to heaven, then you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your deliverer. If you choose hell and the lake of fire, then reject Jesus. I personally feel that anyone who rejects Jesus has got to be crazy, but that's my opinion. The choice is given to each individual. Now, some of you finally get it. You understand what this whole thing is all about. You understand what life is about. You understand what death is about. You know that death is coming at the end of life and you're going to spend eternity someplace. Well, If you want to accept Jesus Christ, just know that he has already done the hard work for you. All you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner, repent of your sins, and with a broken heart and contrite spirit, ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to save you, and he will. To be saved or born again simply requires that we repent or ask God to forgive us and pray a simple but sincere prayer in obedience to God. Romans 10, 8 through 10 says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When an individual prays the following prayer or one that uses similar words, and he means it with all of his heart, that individual is saved. It is as simple as that. Some people don't get saved because they think it's too simple. But God made this thing so simple that all you have to do is to turn towards him with all that you have, with your whole heart, that you sincerely want him. And he's able to look at the sincerity of your heart. So if you want to be saved, say these words with me. Believe them that God is going to back them up because he will. And beloved hearts, you will be saved. Say these words, Father, I'm sorry for the sins that I have committed. Forgive me for all of my sins. Save my soul and give me the power to live holy. If you save me, I will live for you. 
If you say these words and it's the intent of your heart never to commit sin again, God will save you. You will be immediately translated from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light and you will be on your way to heaven. And once you have done that, if you are going to live on planet earth one minute after you're saved, you need to have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. You received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so it is a second act of grace and you ask God to baptize you with the Holy Ghost so you can live according to God's mandates until the day you die. You simply say, Father, fill me with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, our comforter, our keeper, our guide, is the third member of the Godhead. Being filled with the power that he brings helps us to make it safely into the kingdom of God. Tonight I say unto you, accept Jesus and live. May God bless you all.